On this episode of Fantasy NFL Today, we wrap up the AFC East with the most electrifying team in the NFL. I bring on an amazing guest that knows all the ins and outs of the Buffalo Bills more than anyone I know. It's a very exciting show that I can't wait for all of you to hear. So let's stop wasting time because no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Thursday, July 15th. I am your host, Anthony Germain. You can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. Today, we wrap up the AFC East with what I think is the most electrifying team in the NFL at the moment. In fact, I am so pumped for this episode that I may jump through a table and circle the wagons with the Buffalo Bills. Now, I can't get this party started without bringing on a very special guest. He is the host of the Face Mask podcast that offers incredible information for your fantasy leagues that you can find on YouTube. I also share a dynasty league with this man, so he goes pretty deep into all this information. You're not going to want to miss what he has to say. He is John Alsace. John, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, man. It is a pleasure to be here. This is uh, this is my first time being hosted on another person's podcast, so this is this is exciting for me. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about the, my favorite team in the NFL. Man, it's it's honestly it's well deserved. I listen to your face mask podcast pretty often. I think I've commented a few times on your on your guys' Twitter blast, but you you guys are really spitting out some real nice information there. So you know. I'm actually honored to have you as a guest on this show. Oh, man, I appreciate that, man. Those are kind words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's dive into this Bills team. They were really able to turn the team around since the signing of head coach Sean McDermott He as he came over in 2017 after serving as the Panthers' defensive coordinator. But since his arrival, this team has made three playoff appearances in just four seasons, most recently a phenomenal and magical season, if I will, finishing the season out last year with a 13-3 record. And although that record was incredible, it just wasn't enough as they had the second seed in the AFC, and they also came up just short against the Chiefs in the championship game. But, John, this team, man, it's a real team, right? Like, this is three playoff appearances in four seasons. This is This is as real as it gets. Yeah, I mean, I, I never thought I'd be here as a Bills fan, to be honest with you. Because I've uh, I've been a Bills fan for about ten years, like a real diehard Bills fan for about ten years now, and uh, I've been I've been through some stuff. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and that's not even to go back to fans who've been in the past, my dad and stuff. You know, it goes way back. But this is the best team, probably top to bottom, uh-huh. roster wise, that the Bills have ever fielded. I think I would, I would agree. With, I think I would agree with that, especially in the last ten years. You know, you guys have had quite the quarterback uh, shuffling in there. I don't even honestly remember who the other head coaches were in the past ten years, but but McDermott <laughs> and and one of the you know most important parts, obviously, to building a team is having a sturdy coaching staff. Like, and I and I I feel very confident with what McDermott has done up there. And Brandon Bean, the GM. Oh, I mean, he yeah. just won the, the uh, award for the best GM in the league. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he deserved it because it, the, and the tandem of them, those two together have really had they've really built a great squad. They really have top to bottom. They really have. And now here's another question I have to ask you. So now mm-hmm. that this team is good, they also gained a lot of popularity throughout the nation. Bill's nation sweeping the nation like a like a frenzy. So now I feel like there's a lot of these bandwagon fans jumping on the wagon. How's that feel? How does that sit with you? Are you are you kind of like, hey, man, you weren't here for the last 10 years when we suffered. And now you want to jump on this wagon and enjoy this, you know, this glory with us. Or, or are you OK with it? Look, I'm all right with it. I'm OK with it. The more there are out there, the harder it is for all opposing teams whenever we show up in their stadiums and make it hard for them to play. So I will take any bandwagon fans <laughs> there are out there. I will take all of them. Hell That's yeah. That's nice. That's nice, man. You got to love welcoming fans. So. So before we get into it and before we start this fantasy talk, let's just go over a few changes as we enter this 2021 season. Uh, not much has changed. The whole coaching staff seems to return. Uh, you have Brian Dabal back there uh, running the offense. You know, we know McDermott is more of a defensive guy and Dabal really, uh, you know, got that offense going, uh, which is good news for us fantasy players, actually, because, you know, the, the whole coaching scheme hasn't changed. We really know what to expect going into this season. Um, they let go of John Brown and Tyler Croft. They added Mitchell Trubisky to back up Josh Allen. Matt Breida was brought in to, I guess, be a third string running back. So I'm not really sure what he means. And then they also added Emmanuel Sanders. And we'll get to him in a little bit here. Um, and they certainly fortified that defense as well. But that's not much of our concern with this pod as it is a fantasy pod. And we're more offensively uh, focused here. So let's start with this. Josh Allen, the man, it all runs through him. He's the quarterback. He's the man. And I don't think I have seen a bigger leap in production from a quarterback like Josh Allen had from 2019 to 2020. His biggest improvement by far was his accuracy. And you just don't really see quarterbacks improve this much with accuracy in just one season. I think his adjusted completion percentage was 79.1, which was the sixth best in the league uh, compared to last year where he finished in the 30s. Uh, he was consistently great all year, finishing number one as the number one overall quarterback in fantasy leagues, with the exception of a few bad games with bad weather. So with all that being said, his current ADP now sits as an early fourth round pick as the number two quarterback overall being taken off the boards in standard or half point PPR 12 man leagues. You know, some skeptics might consider him to be a regression candidate, but what are we doing here with Josh Allen? Because he's going early and if all else fails with his arm, he still has those legs to fall back on. So are we taking him this early to be our QB one in redraft leagues after Patrick Mahomes comes off the board? Honestly, I think he should be the QB one overall. That's he should be dr- being drafted as such. He got 405 fantasy points in standard leagues last year, which was the QB one, the QB two mm-hmm. Kyler Murray had 15 points less than him. Okay. He's a lock for eight rushing touchdowns a year. In his first year, he had eight rushing touchdowns. In his second year, he had nine. In his third, he had eight. Now, in each of those seasons, his rushing stats declined as his passing stats have just astronomically grown. Okay. But he's kept that eight touchdown rushing TD floor, and he's kept a floor of about 420 rushing yards, which is pretty good for a quarterback. Yeah. 
So I think you're looking at the QB1 at the position. I think he's he can repeat. And I'm pretty much buying him at ADP in all formats because I think he really is that guy. Okay. And I I, I agree with everything you're saying. But when it like a lot of people will go into fantasy drafts and tell you you can wait on quarterback. You know, you, you hear this all the time. So in order for us to get Josh Allen, we're gonna have to give up that draft that draft capital that early in the draft. So my question is more base related on is it worth it getting him that early instead of tagging another elite wide receiver or another elite running back possibly? I'm one of those guys that used to not draft quarter like used to wait until the last round to draft quarterbacks. I've I've gone years where I don't draft a QB, I just pick one up off the waiver wire and rock with it for the rest of the season. Right. I'm one of those guys. But right. I'm still all in on Josh Allen. Because he brings the full spectrum to the table. It's not Lamar Jackson where he's really good at rushing the ball and he carries that really high 1,000-yard rushing floor. That's crazy for a quarterback. He brings that in season in, season out. But the passing variance is such that you're not sure he could be the QB 18 for a large stretch of the season and then be the QB 4 for a large stretch of the season. Josh right. Allen's not going to be giving you that. Josh Allen, with his passing stats... And his rushing stats, which I don't think I don't think it's going to vary from year to year. I think this is going to be what you can expect from Josh Allen in this offense year in, year out until he catches the injury bug. I think he's the QB one in all formats, and uh, I think it's worth it. He's the one QB that's worth it because he's guaranteed production in all facets of the game. I you know, I I have to 100 percent agree with you. I am on the end of. I'm on the other end where I actually go up and get my quarterbacks pretty early. I like to go running back, running back early, maybe hit a premium wide receiver, and then I start looking for the quarterback in the fourth round. If Josh Allen is available, I am on your side 1,000%. I'm taking him. It's interesting you brought up Lamar Jackson. He's somebody I have on my uh, on my list this year because, you know, last year he was going a little early. In the, uh, I think he went in the second round in, in most redrafts and that's way too early for a quarterback for me if I can get him in round four or five either of those guys you know I'm all in there now I again I have listened to a few of your pods on YouTube again great stuff great information one particular hit that comes to mind was if the Bills have enough quality weapons to surround Josh Allen heading into this season and you've made some valid points about these wide receivers they're a little bit older and someone like an Emmanuel Sanders or a Cole Beasley has had some serious injury concerns in the past. So should we be a bit worried about rostering any of these guys? And who do you think holds the most value out of all these receivers when it comes to our fantasy redrafts? Now, I've kind of had a coming to light on these guys a little bit. I was not hype on Cole Beasley coming into the offseason up until kind of recently. And I wasn't very high on Emmanuel Sanders because I was under the impression that Gabe Davis had his role carved out. But when I went back and really looked at this offense and 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 took what I wanted out of it because I was I was really hoping for Gabe Davis to be the guy yeah. there. It wasn't it but looking at this offense it's not realistic. The guys who are going to be on the field in three wide sets, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley in your slot, and Emmanuel Sanders on the other side. It's not going to be Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is still going to be the wide receiver 4. So is Sanders expected to fill in the void from John Brown? Absolutely. And looking at what Emmanuel Sanders' role was last season, Emmanuel Sanders had 5.9 targets per game last season. And that was with the myriad of quarterbacks that were playing for the Saints last season. And then John Brown's 
role last season. He had 5.8 targets per game last season. So we had 0.1 less targets per game last season. So Sanders is basically walking into exactly the same role that he had last season in which he finished wide receiver 45 with bad quarterback play. And now he's walking into the same situation. Right, the same situation, thank you. And he's going to get better quarterback play. So he is only expected to improve on that wide receiver 45 number. So I think that he's a value. And that's if he can stay healthy. And as you have mentioned in your pod, that he he's now getting older. He's a 34 years old as a wide receiver is pretty old to be playing in the NFL. And not to mention yep. two years ago, he's, he's coming off that Achilles injury. And I don't think he's had the same explosiveness since. I don't think so either, but he has been healthy in every game since. And literally every game since, including the playoffs, he's been available for his team. So despite that injury, and it was a pretty significant injury, uh, it hasn't seemed to affect him in terms of picking up soft tissue injuries throughout the season since he's come back. So to, to that, to that, I got to give him credit. But you do have to be suspect of a 34-year-old wide receiver. I right. definitely understand that. And for those Definitely. reasons, I don't think I'm willing to roster him on any of my teams. Um, he is going as an early 15th round pick. I think you hit on the wide receiver number overall. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I, I just don't find him to have any value. Do you find him to have any any uh, value in rostering? Technically, he's going to be playing a, across from Stefan Diggs in this offense. He's always going to be on the field. And then when they bring in four wide sets, which, which they do at the second highest rate in the NFL, second to only Arizona, but they did it at a 15% rate. But I, I, I got to think that he carries mid to low end wide receiver three value coming into the season because he's going to he's going to be on the field for Josh Allen. Right. And that's a fair evaluation. And as an early 15th round pick and possibly an undrafted guy here, then I guess there is value to be had then. And I think there's also value to be had in Cole Beasley. I that he was a guy I also had a coming to light situation on because I was pretty down on Cole Beasley. I was pretty down on Emmanuel Sanders. Cole Beasley had 967 yards last season. Mm -hmm. He only had four touchdowns, but he was the wide receiver 31 in 2020. He was the wide receiver 35 in 2019. And he's the primary, he's the primary slot receiver for Josh Allen. He's not a red zone weapon, but he's the safety blanket. And I think he'll continue to be around wide receiver 35 next season, which is low end wide receiver three. So I think both Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders can be low end wide receiver threes. I, I you know, I am really glad you brought up Cole Beasley again, um, because the other interesting thing about him is he actually had five games where he went for over 100 receiving yards when target and was actually targeted seven or more times in those games. Um, and to put that into perspective, Calvin Ridley on the Falcons led the league with eight games when going over 100 yards. So he really isn't that far behind from some of these top guys. And it's, it was actually kind of shocking to see that he had those big games. Um, I think he's an underrated player. And I, I, and I think he actually has one of the best outside Stefan Diggs has the, uh, the best chemistry with, with Josh Allen. So as a late 12th round pick. I think I'm more willing to put my eggs in the Cole Beasley basket than I am with the Emmanuel Sanders basket. And that's fair because they are both going to be on the, on, the, on the field and theoretically you're looking at more targets for Cole Beasley than you are for Emmanuel Sanders. 
Right, right. And and you also touched a little bit on Gabriel Davis about how your expectations for him to start. I was kind of in that same boat as well. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more from what we what we uh, what we can get from him because he ended the regular season on a high note. He against the Dolphins, he got two catches for 107 yards and one touchdown. He also had a real solid performance against the Colts in that wild card game. You know, he ended the season with just under 600 yards and seven touchdowns, and I think he showed a lot of promise. Uh, he's also very, uh, very much younger than Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, who again deal with the injuries. And I always try to pinpoint players who close out the season strong. And I, I look at that as an indicator when we go into the next season. So for a player that, again, is pretty much going virtually undrafted, do we possibly have a gem here or, or, or are we sticking with the with the three guys that were lining up on the field? No, as a Bills fan, I got to take away my bias. But looking at it from a fantasy perspective, taking my love for the Bills out of it, he's going to be a wide receiver for. He'll ultimately end up being the red zone weapon for this offense because he's the tallest wide receiver in this wide receiver room. He's 6'2", Diggs is 6 feet, Sanders is 5'11", and Beasley's 5'8". And he already had seven touchdowns last season. The highest touchdown number on the team was Stephon Diggs with eight. It won't even take much to overtake stuff on Diggs there. But I don't believe he's going to be racking up a ton of yardage, a ton more yardage than the 599 yards that he got last season. I think that we should be expecting around that. Maybe a little bit of growth. Maybe we see him get to like 700 yards if Josh okay. Allen and him really click. But I think where we're going to see the value in Davis is touchdowns because he's going to be their number one red zone weapon. Yeah, and I gotta I gotta say I'm not a big fan of rostering players that are touchdown dependent, and that's really disappointing for me. I was really looking forward to the development of him here, and you know I I can't pull the trigger if it's just going to be a touchdown dependent thing. So now that is only for this season. You're making me are sad talking, here, John. If we are talking in in a dynasty situation, Emmanuel Sanders is only on a one year deal, right? And Cole Beasley will be counting around seven and a half million dollars against the cap next season and they can cut him and only incur a one point mil figure in dead cap so that would save him about six mil next season if they were cap cap strapped while trying to get josh allen signed which i think they will be you know what i mean right so we could be looking at a situation in the near future where stefan diggs is playing across from gabe davis right so so if we're in dynasty leagues or keeper leagues for that matter gabe davis is then a lot more valuable for your team for 2022 yep cool so let's move it on to the to the main event of the wide receiver the big show my man stefan diggs or i should say your man stefan diggs <laughs> um, yeah. let me you know what let me throw it to you I want to hear your opinion first on Diggs. He's going pretty early in the draft, and I, I, I kind of want to hear it from you first. Well, he's theoretically in the prime of his career. He's 27. Last season, he led the league in targets with 166, in receptions with 127, in yards with 1,535. He ultimately comes in third in fantasy points for wide receivers, and he did that with the torn oblique uh, for the majority of the season. In a COVID season, in a new offense, with a new QB. So, I mean, he's just elite in pretty much all facets of the game. His route running is incredible. Uh, there are no changes to the skill position group outside of bringing in the aforementioned Emmanuel Sanders. But Steph Diggs is a lock for 150 plus targets. Now he's being drafted. He's a lock for 150 plus targets. Okay. What he had 166 targets last season. So I'm being conservative. It's going to be a 17-game season. We're getting one more game. 
this oh, year. Oh, you're right. You, he uh, is a lock for 150 yeah. targets. Sorry, I was looking at the stat the uh, stat sheet here, and I saw 127, but that was receptions. Yeah, uh, I so mean, that's, he's that's a fair evaluation. I could, yeah, I think. Now that's I got a question. Fair. I got a question for you. I got a question for you, and it has to do with the. And this is a fantasy question. It has to deal with another team. Sure. Because he's being drafted ahead of Devontae Adams, who finished as the wide receiver one last season. Right. He had 18 touchdowns last season. He was incredible. But that situation all hinges on Rodgers coming back. People are skeptical. I am of the belief that Rodgers is going to come back. And I think coming up closer to the season, we're going to see a situation where Adams creeps above Diggs and we're going to be able to get Diggs at a perceived value as opposed to what we're seeing where his ADP is right now. What do you think? Um, okay, let me let me just start by prefacing that with this. I love Diggs. I think he's a phenomenal player. But I think Diggs is severely, severely being um, overdrafted here. Okay. Um, and, and here's my beef with Diggs. If you look at Diggs' career overall, he's he's been in the league for one, two, three, four, five, six seasons now. Mm-hmm. Over those, over the, his five seasons when he was in Minnesota, he's pretty much been around a 1,000-yard receiver who averages probably anywhere from seven to eight touchdowns. Right. The thing is, people want to pinpoint Kirk Cousins as being the problem, but if we look at Minnesota and we look at what Justin Jefferson did last year and we look at what Adam Thielen has done for the last few years, why is it fair to think right now because Josh, uh, because Stefan Diggs had one big season with the Bills, I don't think he's being drafted where he should be. I think if I think if we're looking at it from a realistic point of view, that fifteen hundred yards is the is the fluke year, and and it's not that he can't get that. It's just it's just out of character from everything else where he's been, you know. And I think I think the new environment has motivated him towards his pinnacle year. And I'm always cautious of players coming off pinnacle years. I am, and and, and injuries are not. If you look at players like Christian McCaffrey after having that massive workload went down with the injury. Michael Thomas coming off that, that that crazy season with all those receptions and yards in New Orleans. You know, he got hurt too, but even when he came back, wasn't really producing. Even Mahomes cooled off after the 2019 season. So what I'm saying is whenever these guys hit this pinnacle year, it's just hard for them to repeat that and sustain that type of success. And there's only room to go down. So if we reel, I feel like if we reel him back, back into that 1,000-yard receiver range, I mean, we're looking at guys where he should be drafted around like a Chris Godwin, a Robert Woods, a Deontay Johnson, or even an Odell Beckham. Not a Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, or DeAndre Hopkins. I'm sorry. That's just that's just how I feel about it. Um, I also don't really go out and grab a receiver that, that early. So I'm not going to be in the mix for him because I'll be grabbing my running backs there. Um, but I just... I just think it's a risky proposition for people to be taking digs at that position. Now, he was, he was absolutely a value coming into last season because you were, people were theoretic, were thinking that he wasn't going to be able to reach the heights that he reached in 2019 with the Minnesota Vikings. But if you look, in the five years that he played with the Minnesota Vikings, he topped out at 112 targets in four of those seasons. And in three of those seasons, he never had above 95 targets. It's just that they didn't feed him the ball enough. The Bills decided to. They decided to treat him like a wide receiver one and feed him all the targets in the world. And he ended up being the wide receiver three in fantasy. He ended up leading the league in receptions and yards. Now, he's never going to be a touchdown guy. That's just not his game. And that's why I believe that uh, Gabe Davis still holds value and 
in some season-long formats because of his touchdown value. He's a great value in best ball. But for Stefan Diggs, he's going to continue to get these targets. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the passing game has changed. He has the same coordinators. Mm-hmm. The same guys who were, had him passing at the sixth most attempts rate in the league. And I see no reason why Stefan Diggs can't improve. Can't I'm not going to say he's going to improve on 1,535 yards. Mm-hmm. But he did that coming into the season cold with no rapport with his quarterback in a COVID season where they couldn't practice, where they had no OTAs in training camp. Now they have a little bit of that. They played a full season. They played into the playoffs. They have that team that team chemistry, right? They're eager. to You don't run think it there's back. something to that? And in, 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 with the wide receiver in his prime, no, he's going to be 28 this season. You don't think he can? You don't think a wide receiver getting 166 Look, targets I, is going to be able to, to to put together a wide receiver one season? I agree with everything you're saying. It's just he, I know for a fact in my heart and in my gut he's not going to get to that 1500 again. He might get to 1200 or 1300, but he's okay. not going to hit that 1500. And just going in that early second round, or maybe, or yeah, going in the early second round as, as the wide receiver three coming off the board, it just seems heavy and risky to me. And to bring up a better point that you mentioned, how we got value on him last year, I think last year he was going as the 30th overall wide receiver. And yes, we didn't know what the chemistry was like with Josh Allen. And to be quite frank, Josh Allen wasn't, you know, as I, as I spoke earlier on this pod, his accuracy was, was nowhere near what it was this year. Right. And the fact that we're able to find a wide receiver like a Stefan Diggs as the 30th overall wide out going off those boards, I think it's easier to find those type of boom receivers down in that draft where that's where the real value is. So now with this, now that this guy has shot up the boards, way up the boards, and now he's going in the second round as the wide receiver three, I just think, I just think all the value is just gone and there's only space for him to go down. Like It's just not going to hit that level again. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he he does theoretically have nowhere to go but down. But, I mean, at what rate are we talking about here? If he declines a little bit in yards and only has 1,400 yards. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, but right. But if, you know but if I mean? we look at his – like, I, I, again – If the, we draft him at the wide receiver two spot and he performs at the wide receiver four spot, are we really that disappointed? Yes, because I'm drafting him to be an elite wide receiver. Not my wide he would receiver be. four. I mean, he's not top three, but I think top four is still an elite receiver. Yeah, and just to just to clarify, I don't. I love this guy. I think he's great. It's just it's just a little too rich for my blood. That's all. I just Fair think enough. again, if if he if he does if he does come back down the earth, we're looking at more of in the range of a Robert Woods, Deontay Johnson, or or even a Chris Godwin in Tampa. There, getting target shares all over the field from Brady. Fair. I just think he's going to get enough targets to keep going. Listen, this but is that's why where we did. We, we can agree to disagree there. Exactly. Listen, this is why I love bringing guys on like you and, and we don't agree on everything. It's, it's good to have this healthy discussion back and forth. Oh, definitely. You're all, you're all in on your man digs. Um, it's not that I'm not all in on him. I'm just not willing to take him that early. But anyway, let's move on to the rushing attack. Now I need your help here and hopefully we can get some clarity from a bills expert like yourself. This is one of the biggest weaknesses on the team. Mm-hmm. And I think we could shoulder most of the blame on the interior offensive line. They didn't perform well, and not much has changed during the offseason. 
on one hand, we have Devin Singletary, who's currently sitting as a mid-10th round pick. I, I believe that's the RB43. You know, he was listed as their starter for all 16 games last year, and he led the team in rushing naturally with 687 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he also tacked on 269 yards through the air. But obviously, it seems like the team didn't really buy into him fully when they took Zach Moss with a pretty high pick in the third round. And, you know, and interestingly enough, Zach Moss is coming off the board before Singletary as a late eighth round pick as the RB36. Uh, there's been reports coming out of camp that Moss could take over the backfield in 2021 if he continues to improve with up to 70% of team snaps, which is crazy. He did get off to a bit of a slow start last year, but the news that has come out, we now found out that he was kind of playing through a high ankle sprain injury. Uh, but John, this is why I brought you on. I need mm -hmm. you to give me the goods on these backs because I got to say, I'm a little baffled when it comes to breaking down this backfield, and I don't really know which direction to go. Well, the first thing you got to remember is that the quarterback is vulturing a fair amount of TDs there. I mean, you look at an equivalent quarterback in, in, in terms of play style, you look at Cam Newton for the Patriots. He had 12 touchdowns on the ground last season. And uh, Damian Harris only had a great year, only had, I think, two two touchdowns on the year. Something like that, yeah. Right, and you said that Devin Singletary only had two touchdowns on the year, right? Singletary had two. Um, right. Zach Moss, I actually don't have his stat line up. My point being that these both these backs are not going to be used in the red zone as the primary option. And secondarily, this is one of the most pass-first offenses in the league. So they don't get the, the chances that other running backs get. They kind of cancel each other out to a certain extent. And I've flip-flopped on the two. I've been really high on Moss at times, as you know. I know you know this. I know <laughs> oh, you know I this. Yes, I've been fielded a few trade offers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was definitely thinking about throwing think, you a future first for it. That's I the think, point. I was I, think, I love him that much. But <laughs> I think you hit me with this line, too. This is my favorite line from fantasy owners. Well, you know, I just want him because I'm a really big Bills fan. <laughs> yeah, I am. That's how you know. I know. I know. I just love that line. It's just I feel like there's always an alternative motive there. Hey, look, when I was priced out for Zach Moss, I went straight to the Devin Singletary owner. So okay so i wasn't hey, man, lying I, I just i just want i just want a bill's running back on my team but that's kind of honest if, if you threw me that first i might have i might have accepted that maybe we'll talk afterwards you know i like it so what were you saying i didn't mean to cut you off there no no um i was just saying looking at both of these guys and the role that both of them have it's hard to say i'm in on either fully for this season uh i both i think both of them make themselves unexciting but i do think the fact that they didn't bring in anybody but a cast off from the miami dolphins last season and matt Breida to be competition for these guys they didn't bring in anybody through the draft they didn't sign an undrafted free agent so these guys should carry the same roles that they had last season into the season and at this point i think i'm going for the the uh the cheaper option which is looking at uh, looking at underdog adp zach moss is at 107 and Devin Singletary is at 150. So in a right. team, in a 10 team, you can get Singletary in the 15th round. But so you, I'm going that route in a best ball. I'm going that route in a season long because I think at the end of the season they're going to have pretty much the same fantasy value as terms of what what they've done in terms of for your fantasy team. Uh, obviously, different weeks, different spike weeks, whatever. But even with the with the reports coming out that he 
that that Zach Moss may serve seventy uh, percent of team snaps. That you don't think that gives him a little bit more of a boost there, or do you think that's just all coach coach uh, optimism coming out of camps? I do think that's optimism. Uh, the, this team has not shied away from using Devin Singletary. They really like Devin Singletary and what he brings to the table. And he does have skills that he brings to the table. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to be hitting home runs. But he does what they want to do well. And while he did regress in his second season, I mean, they didn't go out and sign anybody. Again, they didn't bring anybody in through the draft. So they're tr- they're going to trust in the incumbents that are here. So I think that means Singletary as well. He's going to have a fair role in this offense. I mean, it does, I, I do I just add, it goes without saying, I like Moss more in Dynasty, which is why we're going to talk later. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I did have, I did have high expectations for Singletary coming out um, uh, after his rookie season. He had a really good season. But then when they went ahead and drafted Zach Moss, that just seemed very telling to me that they, they, I, I, I just I wasn't sure if they were buying into him. You obviously would know more since you're you know you're immersed into the uh, Bills nation over there. Yes, I do own Zach Moss in Dynasty, and so far it hasn't panned out. But I do get these David Montgomery type vibes. Not that he's anything like David Montgomery. It's just the 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 expectations I had for David Montgomery his first year kind of matches what my expectations were for Zach Moss. Um, and it just kind of fell flat on its face. So I do like, you know, if anything, to compare those two right there, I do like that maybe Zach Moss, you know, he's going to get better and better as we go on. So to your point, yes, dynasty or, yeah, dynasty or keeper, I still think he's great value. But very good point to maybe sit and wait if you were going to draft one of these Bills running backs and just grab uh, Singletary. But just, just to cap on, I mean, Moss's ADP of 107, you're technically getting a starting running back in the 10th round. So that Great. in a, in a ten team, so I mean, go go get Moss too. That's not a bad thing to get Moss. I'm just saying if you if you want a share of this backfield, the cheaper option is Singletary five rounds later. But we can move on to a different position group. We've talked about these guys a lot. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's good though because it's a, it's confusing. It's a confusing backfield. It's hard to it's hard to understand. I thought you made a very valid point with the. Uh, the pass-heavy offense and Josh Allen, you know, even if they're on the goal line, Josh Allen's a monster. Yeah, you know, they're is. gonna they're gonna yeah, punch it in with him and and take the take the touchdowns, you know, away from those guys. So all around, really good points here. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to the tight end position. It's 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 a very lackluster uh, position on this team. So it looks like we're opening up here with Jacob Hollister. Um, I know he spent some time with the Seahawks. I'm not sure if he was on another team in the middle there. Um, but there are reports, again, it could just be all uh, BS, but there are reports coming out of camp that he could become the team starter if Dawson Knox struggles continue in 2021. But then I read another weird report that Daw- Dawson Knox is working with a vision specialist to improve his hand and eye coordination. So that doesn't really sound great pretty sure I won't be rostering any of these Bills tight ends unless I mess up somewhere really badly along the way uh, and I have no choice but am I missing anything here should I maybe be considering one of these guys no the headlines for Jacob Hollister were was that he played with Josh Allen in college that was Josh Allen's college tight end Oh wow! So they supposedly that. have some rapport back from going back all the way to college, you know, and they're, they're supposedly the hype is they're going to carry that right into the season. I don't know if I believe all that. 
I mean, Hollister had some big games for Seattle, but again, the, you know, Russell Wilson kind of has a has a tendency to make any receiver on that team look good. And Josh Allen can do the same thing. And I'm, uh, but I'm from what I've seen from Dawson Knox, and I'm not saying either of these guys are guys that I'm going to be drafting in any formats because in his second year in the league, he still only had 288 yards and three touchdowns. Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. He's in his third year in the league. He was the tight end 33 last season. And he was drafted by the Bills based on athleticism. He was a he was a college quarterback convert. And he only had something like 15 catches in, in, in college at the tight end position mm-hmm. before he got drafted. So And coming into the league in his rookie season, he had one of the highest drop rates in the league. He, he was dropping 20% of his passes. He cut that in half in his second year in the league. But that's why he's working with a vision specialist because he was dropping too many balls. He couldn't got be it, trusted in the in the red zone, and uh, he's trying to correct that. And maybe he can do that in his third year in the league. Am I optimistic? No, because they don't pass to their tight ends enough. It's just not a featured position in this offense. Right. So we're obviously not drafting either either of these guys in a sixteen round redraft standard uh, half point PPR league. But it sounds like Knox may have um, a little bit of or it sounds like Knox may be or or maybe even Hollister maybe just someone to star and keep an eye on your waiver wire if for whatever reason they do blow up but I did I do think it's funny uh you reminded me that you know it's funny that all these tight ends in the NFL they kind of just get converted from something else whether they were basketball players or like you were just saying a quarterback that only had 15 catches or something like that Right. It's just the, the the tight end position. It's just always Tim Tebow coming back, you know, again, another <laughs> quarterback. I just saw Jordan Matthews put on like 25 pounds or something like that and, and wants to make a comeback. Yeah, he's making a, a comeback. I mean, Calvin <laughs> Benjamin's coming back as a tight end. He's on the Giants roster right now. Oh, my God. I mean, God. we got we got we got Logan Thomas was a convert. The, he was converted from a quarterback to a tight end on the Bills squad. Dude, Mo uh, Alley Cox on the on the uh, Colts. I remember right. watching him play for VCU. Like that, it's just crazy. <laughs> this like see these guys go out there as tight ends. It's just that that position just always is like, I'm always taken by surprise by the position at times. Yeah, man. I mean, Darren Waller, wide receiver. It's crazy. Yeah, another great one. And look how good he is. Yeah, right. So okay, that about wraps up the fantasy talk. But before we go, John. I need to know what you think about the biggest bet I've placed during the offseason. And it All involves right. this division. Okay. And I don't think and I don't think you're gonna like it at all. Okay. Hit me. And the only let me just let me just say the only reason I placed this bet is because of the value. So try to think of it that way more. I placed a substantial bet that the New England Patriots would win this division at plus three fifty. Now, when I look at it, I'm looking at it as a strong pedigree team with a winning history that had a down year last year because half of that defense opted out for COVID-related reasons. They brought in a lot of free agents, especially at that tight end position, and I know that offense is predicated off strong tight end play. So with Jonu Smith and with Hunter Henry coming along, you know they're going to pound that rock and then dink, dunk it out to those tight ends. I like the plus 350. Now, the Bills are a heavy favorite here. I think they're minus 150 or minus 200 to win the division, and that's pretty strong. That's pretty telling. I know that. But am I crazy not to think that these Bills aren't going to just run it back, or do, or do you think this bet does have some value? I am going to just disagree with that wholeheartedly. I, am, I thought so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think they have a shot at being the second, maybe. 
But the okay, problem well, is in this in this division, the Bills aren't the only good team. We're looking at the Dolphins who have a fully rejuvenated squad. Two of fresh back from injury, all the all the free agent signings with, with the wide receiver core, all the all the, the rookies coming in through the draft. I mean, they had the, the highest scoring defense last season too. Yeah, and it's funny you say that about the Dolphins because they're actually sitting as the second favorite to win, just slightly under the Patriots at plus three twenty five, so not much of a difference. But when I look at that Dol- that Dolphins team, I still see a very scared Tua. I don't see any fire. It's hard to get behind guys that don't have fire. He kind of reminds me personality-wise, not quarterback-wise, personality-wise of like a Sam Bradford, Sam Darnold, these guys that just don't are not very vocal leaders. So I don't know if the locker room is fully supporting him. And the biggest problem with the pay- or with the Dolphins is that offensive line is bad. Bad. Yeah, it is. It's ranked. Pro Football Focus has them ranked going into this season as the 30th, 30th, bottom three. That's the third worst in the league going into this season. So, you know, I think the Dolphins, they had a nice season going. Uh, they went 10 and six, I believe, last year. Um, I also think they have one of the hardest schedules in the NFL. If you really look at it, they play a lot of teams coming off their bye. They're going to London. That division, like you said, is getting a lot harder. I don't think you could just show up and beat the Jets anymore. You know, I don't think the Jets are anywhere close to being a winning team, but I just don't think you're going to show up and beat them. Your Buffalo Bills are tough out, and then I just, I just think the Patriots are gonna they're gonna get their feet back under them. You know, they watched Tom Brady win that Super Bowl in Tampa last year, and that's got to rub them the wrong way. Yeah, but what are you gonna do when when Cam Newton's your quarterback and he's a shell of himself and is much more of a rushing quarterback than a passing quarterback at this point because his shoulder was busted and has been busted for a while. And then when they put in Mac Jones, it might improve a little bit. He was the most but accurate they, quarterback in college football last season. Well, that's great, but you're looking at his weapons then too. He has one of the worst wide receiver cores in the NFL. I don't care if you talk about who they brought in. They brought in Nelson Aguilar and a Kendrick Bourne into this. Uh, it's not That's not what you call a, a, like a, a great influx of talent. No offense, they're great NFL wide receivers. They're not guys you're looking at in fantasy. They're not going to be lighting up the board, and they have incumbents, Jacoby Myers, not lighting up the board. And I agree with that, but what what this Patriots team does very well is run the ball. That's their specialty. I think they're yep. third in the league when it comes to, to rushing efficiency, and that actually plays into Cam Newton, not so much Mac Jones, obviously. He's more of a statue back there. Well, hey, uh, if Mac it, Jones starts... Damian Harris is shooting up my rankings. RB1 I will say that. one to the top. Yeah. Let's he was shooting <laughs> up my rankings. I'll, I'll throw a first-round pick at him, not Zach Moss. <laughs> there you go. And then, again, I like the tight ends. I like the tight end play. Uh, these This has potential, I think, to be two of their best starting tight ends since the Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez days. Not yep. saying it will it will get there, but you know we've seen Hunter Henry produce with the Chargers. We've seen what Jonu Smith has done last year with the Titans. I got a question for you. Who do you think of those two is going to be the, the I higher fantasy I the, the higher fantasy guy? I'm going to go with Jonu Smith. Um, I think he's I think he's more athletic, and I think he I don't know when I watched him play on the on the Titans last year, or when I watched him play on the Titans last year. Um, he just, I don't know. He's just more impressive than me. And then also with Hunter Henry, he's got a bit of a checkered injury pass. So I'm not really on the Hunter Henry train as much, but I do, you know, if he stays healthy, you know, I do like him, but I'm going to, I'm going to roll with Johnu Smith. What about you? I think they brought in Johnu Smith to run block first and foremost. 
Okay. So I'm going against the grain on that one because if you look at what he did on the Titans, he had he had the most run block snaps in the league. He was in there doing doing the dirty work. So if you look at what the Patriots are going to be running, if they're running two wide sets, they need one of their tight ends to be in there blocking and chipping. And then they need one of them to be out running routes. And I think the guy running routes primarily is going to be Hunter Henry. Not to say that, that Jonu Smith can't and isn't going to run routes. He obviously will. They didn't bring him in not to for a four-year deal but i think a lot of his targets are going to be yak targets and whereas uh hunter henry is just going to be kind of fed targets whereas i mean both of those when you're looking at at what the patriots did in the past both of those guys were very productive at tight end so i think both of these guys can be productive in their own way right they're they're productive in both facets of the game for blocking and receiving and i just i think well, I guess the more I think about it, I think I think when it comes down to it by, by the end of the season, I think Hunter Henry kind of to go back to the Zach Moss and Singletary thing. I think we're going to we're they're going to kind of cancel each other out like we were talking about and they're kind of they're kind of going to finish with the same, you know, statistical season. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I'm not sure if one or the other is better to own in fantasy. I I I was just talking more as a team to, you know, to get wins to win the division, but Great points again. Well, that about wraps up the show for today. A huge, 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 huge thank you to Mr. John Alsace. My man really knows his NFL fantasy and Bills information. Be sure to check out his podcast. It's called the Face Mask Podcast. It's filled with incredible fantasy football information and can be found on YouTube. John, we'd love to have you on the show again sometime in the near future. And thanks again a million for coming on. Hey, man, thank you for having me again. This was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. You got to come on our pod sometimes, too, for real. I would love to do that. You guys are seriously spitting out some some really, really, really good stuff. I really like how on top of everything you are, you know, some breaking news happens. These guys are on top of that. Before anybody else hits the scene, they're 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 putting those hits out that very day when that when the news is breaking. So again, it's really great stuff, John. I'd love to come on your show. Would love to have you back, and you know, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you then. Sounds good, man. Thank you again. You got it. Mm-hmm.